prior to, to becoming a minister, I actually worked, um, not that I don't work now, but, but, but I worked, I worked in a sales environment. Um, and it's quite interesting because kind of time flies, isn't it? But it's actually 15 years ago today uh, that, that as a family, we kind of loaded up two seven and a half tonners and, and kind of drove up um, the A9 to, to, to begin our life here in, in Elgin and, and what an eventful 15 years it's been. But, but prior to that, I, I, I worked in, in, in a sales environment and, and it was a, a time in, in, in sales where, when conferences and um, training days um, and corporate away days were the done thing. Um, and I kind of look back and think on, on, on visits to places like Glen Eagles and Glenham Palace and Clay Pigeon shooting and, and different kinds of, of things that, that, that um, all in the name of team building and learning how to sell. And I always remember that, that one of my first training days where, where I was introduced to what this particular training company called the seven steps of the call, how to make the perfect call. And according to this particular company, and there is a great amount of truth in it, the first of which was preparation. Right? Make sure you are as well prepared as you can be. And that stands good, I would argue, for many other situations, apart from trying to sell pickled onion monster munch, which was one of the products that I used to sell. I don't know why that one particularly came to mind just now. But, but anyway, preparation is vital. Whether it's the exam room, whether it is marriage, whether it is a job interview, it all depends on how well you are prepared. Well, brothers and sisters, at the very heart of this parable regarding the, the, the ten virgins, the ten bridesmaids, call them whatever we will, is the warning to be prepared is the warning to be ready. Now, as I have kind of found out, as I've revisited the, the, these parables, um, actually, you, you really can't teach a parable, though I've done it over the years, but you can't really teach them without keeping it in the wider context. And here, the wider context is Jesus teaching about his coming back again. The cross and his death kind of lie immediately before him. But he has been constantly teaching that his death was not going to be the end. He would ascend on high and one day he will return again. And Jesus is clear in verse 36 of the previous chapter regarding this momentous day. If you've got your Bible open, look at it. It's important. Look carefully at, at, at verse 36 of, of chapter 24. No one knows about the day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. So, all these wall charts and all these predictions about this and that 
and, and all the calculations that try to work exactly when the Lord Jesus is coming, and then they fix on a date that says, Jesus is coming on such and such a day, that it might for some be very interesting. But it's a waste of time and energy. Because I am not being flippant here. But if Jesus doesn't know when he's coming back, how does anyone else? Except, of course, it's verse 36 of the previous chapter says, the Bible. And what is happening in the wider context of where this parable is positioned is that from verse 43 of chapter 24 right through to verse 30 of chapter 25, Jesus is actually telling four parables. Four parables that concentrate about how and why we should all be prepared for this great event. And, and in many ways, the four parables that Jesus teaches in, in this kind of chunk of scripture um, can, can be summed up in three words. Watchfulness, faithfulness, and readiness. And so it's into this context that Jesus speaks these parables. And we're going to look at the one, as I said, described as the ten virgins, the ten bridesmaids. Now, as with all of the parables, Jesus takes what would have been a well-known everyday illustration. This time, it's a wedding. But it would be helpful to just very briefly explain that a Jewish wedding uh, differs quite greatly from what we might understand as, as a wedding, or at least the way it works out. Well, one of the scholars tell us that, that dressed in special wedding garments, well, at least that's the same, dressed in special wedding garments, the bridegroom and companions went in a procession to the bride's home. And they escorted the bride and her bridesmaids back to the groom's house where the wedding feast was to be held. Get this, Daniel and Abby. They could go on for about a week Right? Don't worry. For a week or even longer, right? And it's that kind of scene that Jesus is setting. These ten are sitting waiting on the bridegroom coming. And we're told that, that five of them are described as being foolish and five of them are described as being willing to notice is that there was a delaying. It's, it's important right at the outset, brothers and sisters, to realize that these 10 bridesmaids have got certain similarities, okay, to meet the bridegroom and escort him to and to join in the facilities. They all expected that. They all have got lamps. And it would seem that they expected him to come Imminently. However, we're told a couple of important points. Firstly, 
Although the ox took the lamp, his wife took the oil with them. They may have some in the lamp, but we're told that they took no oil. Um, and that five not only took along oil in the lamp, but took along extra. And secondly, we are told that the bridegroom was a long time in coming. A long time in coming. Now, after kind of officiating at, at many weddings, delays are not all that unusual. But to, to be fair, it's usually the, the bride. Um, and it can be for all kinds of different reasons. But this time it's the bridegroom. Now we're not told why he was a long time in coming. And uh, I don't know, but, but perhaps he had the problem that my soon-to-be father-in-law had before leaving the house with my lovely bride today. It turned out that his trousers had split. And they had to be obviously kind of sewn up. Sorry for that image. The, the issue here is not the delay, right? That's not the issue. Or the issue is not why the delay. The issue is that there was a delay, sorry. And such was the delay, such was the length of delay, that, that again, notice, all ten became drowsy. All of them. They all fell asleep. Now, now, I guess in some ways that is a lot of, could be understandable. All, all the excitement and getting dressed up for the wedding and what kind of palaver that is. And, and, and kind of getting their lamps ready and then waiting and wondering and, and kind of, ah, listen, everybody's moving. And, and, and every little noise and, is, is this it? Is it coming? And kind of on it goes and on it goes and on it goes and on it goes. Until it gets drowsy and it gets tipped over, and they all fell asleep. And waiting, wondering, worrying, as each hour passes. I wonder if they thought, is he really coming? Is it going to happen? Sometimes when we're caught up in delays, we can think, well, will, will this, will, whatever this might be, does it last? How to cope with life's delays, with the unexpected? You see, the bridegroom, bridegroom should have been here years ago, uh, ages ago. There was no sign of him and delay and wait and then tiredness creeps in and they fall asleep and here they are all ten of them unaware of what is about to unfold because we are told that eventually the shout goes up Here's the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. You see, friends, he was going to be coming. No postponement. 
And the real thrust of this parable is to be seen in the question, are you ready? Don't be put off by the delay. Paul writes about that, doesn't it? Paul writes about that, some you know, mock and scoff and where is he, where is he, where is he? Jesus Christ is coming. He's coming back again. And the delay actually is a sign of his grace. It's a delay. Secondly, there's an awakening. Here's a moment that these 10 have all been waiting on. They've been waiting on this bridegroom coming. Yeah, they're sleeping and then a shout goes up. And, and, and this time, everything, everything that has been geared towards it is now about to happen. And we're told that the shout awakens them from their sleep. You know, I think some of us need that shout to awaken us from our sleep. However, there's no a problem because five of them have got no oil. It's midnight. And the lamps have gone out. And so they ask the other five to give them some oil. Yeah, I'm actually refreshed again, that. I've no oil, you've got some kind of thing, son. But they refuse. Because they need it for themselves. But they encourage them to go and buy some. Quite fair at midnight, I'm not quite sure where they're going to get it, but anyway, they encourage them to go and buy some. Get it for yourself. Hold on to that thing. And it's while they are away looking for oil, that the bridegroom comes. And the five wives go off with him into the wedding banquet. They were prepared. The others, they're running about, probably like headless chickens, looking for oil. friends, this is where being prepared is so important. Yet for whatever reason, five made no preparation. And the refusal of the others to give them some of theirs, as I thought on that, it's not an unselfish act. It's not having no concern for others. They tell them to kind of go and do it. I believe tonight to remind us all individually that we cannot rely on someone else's preparedness. There are some things that you cannot borrow, but that you need to possess for yourself. And nobody, nobody, nobody else can prepare you for the coming of the bridegroom. You cannot rely on anyone or anything else. You personally need to make your own preparation. You need to be wise. 
You know, say last week wasn't it the rich young fool? Well, here we see five foolish virgins. But we need to remember, as I pointed out last week, that when we read the word fool in Scripture, it denotes those who have no time for God. Without God or, or, or without wisdom, and, and, and very often in a self-destructive way. They have not made the appropriate preparation. And as we will see, sadly, it came too late. The bridegroom was coming. And those who were ready have done their duty and have entered in to the wedding banquet. And yes, the five foolish ones kind of get there eventually. Only to come just going away, not just away from me, rejecting me. Verses 11 to 13 are among the sorriest words that we can read. Because here are these five foolish bridesmaids now, now at the door to the banquet, at the door that's locked, and in what seems almost a pleading cry, they say, sir, sir, open the door for us. And verse 12, look at it carefully. Tells us he, referring to the bridegroom, replies, I tell you the truth. Friends, there is, is there not, a deep feeling of tragedy? Here are these ten bridesmaids that we've been introduced. All expecting to go with the bridegroom. There was no doubt in their minds that that's what was going to happen. All looking forward to the feast. All with lamps. Yet when the time comes, there are five who open and there are five that are rejected. Five who are on the inside and five who are on the outside. You know, in some senses, this past quite simple. Yet also, there is a deep sobriety. These matters are serious. It just weighed heavy on me this past week. Jesus Christ is coming back again. It may seem that it's been delayed, but he's coming, and as we've seen from the previous chapter, the date is set. 
So it might be a delay for a smart piece of phone and he's coming again. Now, the Christian may indeed be do differ on the exact details of the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not going to all the various interpretations just now, not because they are important, they are, and not because I don't have a few, I do, I have a very fixed view. But rather because the main point of this parable, and actually of the four parables together, is not the how of Jesus returning, though he is returning. So it's not the how. It's not even the when. But it's the fact that he will return. And because of this, the main lesson within the parable, one scholar says this, Preparedness is essential. For the time is coming when getting ready will no longer be pressure. The door will be shut. And to those who have not prepared, the bridegroom will say, Jesus finishes the parable by telling everybody who will listen both then and today. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. Doesn't it make sense to ensure that you are prepared for what is the most momentous day the world will ever see. As I said at the beginning, we prepare for so many other things and we often do it in a very detailed, even meticulous way. But what about the return of the Lord Jesus Christ? I, I urge you, Give these things considerable thought. The picture of anyone here this morning on that great day standing outside calling out, sir, sir, open the door. I want to be greeted with rejection with the words, I don't know you. Is a picture if I am honest should bring tears to my eyes. I'm not being seeking to be over emotional, but these are serious matters. And it's not for me. And the only way that you can be prepared for that day, there there is no other way. There are no seven steps. The only way that I am prepared for that day 
The only way that you can be prepared for that day is by confessing your sin and trusting in Jesus Christ who took our punishment on the cross and seeking by the power of the Holy Spirit to live our lives fully for him. That's the step. It's the first step. That's the only step. Jesus Christ is the bridegroom. And Jesus Christ will one day return. One day, one glorious day. And when he does, he will take his bride, the church, that is all his blood-bought people, to be with him at the marriage supper of the Lamb. I'm just going to look at the parable of the great feast this evening. And those who have trusted in him, those who have made the proper preparation, will be shut in with him forever and forever. And for those who have not prepared, they will be locked out from the very presence of the bridegroom forever. All ten at one time looked the same. Michael Green in his commentary says this, It is possible to be in church, to be in Christian company, and yet be a stranger to the Holy Spirit. It is possible to have a lamp that looks good, but has no light in it. To give the appearance not having the light please don't rely on anyone else or anything else to prepare you for heaven not Christian parents blessing as that is not coming to church or praying or singing or reading the bible all great things and don't stop But as somebody has once said, God has no grandchildren. You and you alone need to make your preparation in regards to where you will spend eternity. Will you hear, well done, good and faithful servant, Enter into the joy of the Lord and all that heaven has got in store for you. 